Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Fulfill Your Highest Potential. Once again, I am here with the founder and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien was ordained to teach in the Kriya Yoga tradition in 1982 by her guru, Roya Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, uh, yoga Center, Kriya Yoga Center, with headquarters in San Jose, California. She has published several books, including Living the Eternal Way and The Jewel of Abundance, as well as several books of poetry, including The Moon Reminded Me. Her online classes include Arta 365 and Dharma 365, and today we're going to be focused on her latest online offering, called Live the Eternal Way. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien, her books and classes at her author website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also at csecenter.org. You can follow her on social media, on Facebook at Ellen Grace O'Brien, and on Twitter at Yogacharya underscore live. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm delighted to be back with you on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trejo. It's really a delight to be able to have this conversation. Thanks for making it possible. And thanks uh, to everyone who's tuned in and sharing this time with us. So before we dive into our dialogue about fulfilling our highest potential, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. So let's begin by taking this moment out of our busy lives, our busy day, just to be present here and now. And to help us in that, our breath is a wonderful tool. So let's just pay attention as we take a fully conscious breath as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change the natural flow of our breath, but just noticing the next inhale and exhale. 
feeling the cool air entering the nostrils on the inhale and the warm air flowing out. And as we rest in this present moment, here's something to contemplate taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. The awakened life is not about becoming spiritual. It is not about gaining or acquiring, becoming or even regaining something. We have never lost what we are. We may have forgotten. We may have lost touch with our true dignity and power, but we have never lost it. The self does not wake up or go to sleep come into being or pass from existence. It only seems so from the vantage point of I, as the sun appears to the earth to rise and set, appear and disappear. Spiritual awakening changes the focal point of our lives from having to being. This is a radical reorientation, one that is essential to living a fulfilled life Instead of thinking about what we want or need, we realize who we truly are. So once again, Yogacharya, I'm delighted to be with you today. I'm looking forward to talking with you about your latest online offering, the Live the Eternal Way course. So let's start with that phrase, the eternal way. I know this new online course is an updated version of a class that you've offered each year for many years, and they're all called the eternal way. So what does the eternal way mean, and why did you choose it for the title of your course? Thanks so much, and thank you for that. A really beautiful contemplation. I liked that um, thought about the spiritual way of life being a radical reorientation, uh, turning towards uh, the reality of what we are. And really that connects exactly to the eternal way. Eternal way in, uh, is really translation in English of uh, Sanatana Dharma, which sometimes is called the eternal way of righteousness. And it, it basically means that, you know, there is a, an, a, a divine life, an eternal life, a power and presence that neither comes nor goes, that is the foundation for all that is. And there is a way in which we wake up to realizing that absolute reality and we learn how to live in harmony with it. So it it refers both to this primary existence, a primary pure existence being, and then the way that we can live by coming aware of that higher truth, that higher reality, and learning how to live in a dharmic way, uh, a way that is uh, in harmony with spiritual law, 
and uh, help support us having a fulfilled life. I also appreciate just that term, the eternal, eternal way. And this idea that, you know, these teachings are thousands of years old and yet are so relevant to today, but also that it's not a startup. It's not something that we just came up with. (laughs) That's not that that's not been proven over over many, many centuries. Yeah, so that's a good thing to um, point out that it, it refers to that which has no beginning and no end to the timeless nature of the teachings. But there's a paradox within that, of course, which is that the teachings are also experienced as ever new. And so when a person comes to the eternal way, um, it's experienced as something new. It's a revelation. It's like, wow, you know, why didn't I hear this before? <laughs> and so um, every time a person comes to it, there is that experience of the ever newness of it. And it is passed on, you know, from guru to disciple through the ages. And so it, in that sense, it is also ever renewing. Mm-hmm. Lovely. So the byline for the Eternal Way course is the art and practice of self-realization. So let's talk about that. What does self-realization mean and how is it both an art and a practice? Well, we should probably start by uh, pointing out that um, the phrase self-realization has a capital S, self. Mm. So it is about coming to know the truth of our being as spiritual beings, as emanations of that absolute reality, awakening to that truth of what we are. My teacher was often fond of defining terms. And so when it came to realization, he said, um, it is a combination of an intellectual knowledge or discernment, knowing about something as well as having the direct experience of it. So self-realization is knowing that truth, but realizing it is not only knowing about it, but having experienced it directly. And because this spiritual truth that we're talking about is something that is beyond words and thoughts, um, something that cannot be confined, that is um, uh, omnipresent, that is beyond the confines of mind, it is something that we, we can't simply realize with the mind. The mind would be the wrong tool for that. But we can experience it directly because it is the truth of what we are. So that is uh, how we understand self-realization. Self-realization means knowing the truth of what we are as spiritual beings. And it's an art and a practice um, because of what I just said. We, We cannot know it with the mind, but we can arrange conditions um, through our study and through coming to understand 
this model that yoga offers of the way in which um, that absolute reality expresses with qualities uh, into the material realm, which includes the mind and the body. So we can we can study and we can come to know what that model looks like. And, uh, and then we can arrange conditions uh, in our life uh, for meditation so that the mind itself becomes quiet and can be transcended. So the, um, the practice is arranging those conditions, and then the art is really the art of surrender, letting go and allowing uh, realization to uh, blossom through divine grace. Mm. Which brings us to the uh, Remembrance Sutras. And I've always really appreciated these pithy little four uh, sutras that you condensed these teachings into. So can you share those with us, the uh, four uh, Remembrance Sutras? Sure. If I can remember them. <laughs> that was just a joke. <laughs> okay, so it these are four sutras that 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 outline this path of spiritual awakening of self and god realization and so it begins with it is and that is a capital i it referring to one absolute reality that is the source and the substance of all that is it is the only reality and the sages say there's a one truth known by many names so there is that which is it exists it has always existed it was never born it doesn't die it doesn't change there is that absolute reality it is and it is omnipresent it's all there is so the second sutra is the corollary of that first one and that sutra is we are it. So just a little bit of contemplation, I think, can lead a serious student to that conclusion. <laughs> because if you if you really contemplate omnipresence, if you if you think of God or spirit or absolute reality as being omnipresent, that which is everywhere unbounded without limits then you you would have to conclude that nothing is outside of that which would include you and so therefore that reality is is your life as well so we are it it is we are it and because we are it it means that we can know that reality and we can know it completely as opposed to simply knowing about it. We, we can realize it. That's what yoga teaches us. We can realize that truth of our being. So it is one reality exists. We are it. We can't get outside of it. There's only one. That's the truth of our being. And the third sutra, uh, I always say, is kind of the sad part of the novel which is that, that we forget, you know, we, we forget that we are spiritual beings. We forget that we are birthless, deathless, pure existence being. And in falling into that forgetfulness, we have a lot of sorrow and confusion in life and sometimes wander in this uh, material realm um, 
with those sorrows and uh, identify with the body and the mind. And then the fourth sutra is, in a sense, the happy ending or the happy beginning, <laughs> however you want to look at it, which is we remember. Um, because that reality is the truth of our being, um, at some point we awaken to that truth and we remember um, what it is we really are and what the higher purpose of our life is. So it is, we are it, we forget and we remember. Mm. I love that. It's so pithy, easy to remember and packs a whole lot of spiritual truth. So regarding the sutra, we are it. I know that some people, when they first come to you know this path, are they struggle with that concept as it may go against prior religious upbringing. People may have been taught that God is separate from us, greater than us, and that we have to do certain things in order to be in his good graces. So for those new to the teaching and perhaps struggling with this part, how, how can we come to understand that? <clears throat> I think we can say sort of yes and, you know, God is greater than us and we do have to do certain things. <laughs> so we can, you know, it's not, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. So it is the, often the um, metaphor is used that, you know, we are like uh, waves on the ocean of consciousness or absolute reality. So the wave is an expression of that absolute reality, you know, and so that is the truth of our being as a wave and that those qualities of the ocean in indwell us. But you know, uh, are we the ocean itself? You know, that is consistent with the core of our being, but, you know, we don't run the universe. And so, you know, we are not that. We are an expression of that. I think that's the easiest uh, way to see it. And also there's the part where that absolute reality expresses as the wave, you know, is that absolute reality, the wave, um, yes and no. It's expressing as it, but it is not confined to it, mm -hmm. um, nor is it influenced by it. So that's mm -hmm. a lovely way to understand this, this higher reality is not limited um, by its individualized uh, expression. Mm. And, uh, you know, grace, of course, is this supportive... Um, influence that flows from uh, the, the Godhead or that divine reality in expression. And grace, by its very definition, is unearned merit. So there mm -hmm. aren't things that we need to do to earn uh, good graces, but um, we can certainly uh, arrange conditions in our life to to live in harmony, you know, that is the, the meaning of uh, the eternal way, sanatana dharma, to live a dharmic life, to live a life that's in harmony with this higher truth of our being. So we can wake up and be aware of the presence of divine grace and, and learn how to be receptive to it, learn how to uh, see when it's there. Uh, did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah, okay. no, absolutely. <laughs> When I was thinking about it, I, I was also thinking about how, you know, part of the confusion is we identify so strongly with our ego, you know, this, you know, this construction 
um, that everyone needs, and yet um, it's it's uh, not the truth of our being. So we're talking about essence, you know, versus ego. And when you're starting out, particularly, I think you know, you're so we're so associated with our ego that it's um, it's hard to imagine that you know uh, having this these divine qualities. <laughs> So maybe as we go along, you know, the, you know, the loosening of that, you know, that, you know, bound with a uh, bond with the ego is part of, of our spiritual growth and realizing that, you know, that's different from our essence of being. Well, and also it, it is that the divine qualities are within us as potential and that requires our cooperation in order to, in order for them to come forth um, and there's also, of course, uh, you know, it's useful that you brought up ego because I think some of that confusion about, you know, we say, you know, we are it or you are it, you are that absolute reality that is the truth of your being. That is not an ego-based identity of like, okay, now you're God. Right. <laughs> There's yeah. actually a, a medical term for that. You know, those are those are manic episodes. <laughs> you feel yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. I, I often think of a story that I heard uh, Ram Dass tell many, many years ago. And um, I think it was maybe even his brother, I don't remember, but some relative was, was uh, having a mental breakdown. He went to visit him in the hospital and um he he had was having this delusion that he was uh Jesus Christ and um so ramdas uh, of course was studying this truth you know this this vedic um model and so he 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 felt you know there was some space for understanding that you are the christ you are that um divine essence so so he asked him um, well, yes, I can see that. And what about me? And um, he said, oh, no, not you, you know, just me. <laughs> and so then Ram Dass said, well, that's why you're in here and I'm out there. Um, because when we understand that ultimate reality as being, you know, all that is, it is the same reality within everyone. It's not like, you know, there is a person you know, who is God, there is that divine reality in everyone. Mm -hmm. So getting back to uh, the Remembrance Sutra, so it is, we are it, and then we forget, which as you said, is the, is the sad part <laughs> of the rec recurring sad thing. So if, if we know who we are, why is it that we forget? Well, you know, we become distracted, we become identified with the body and mind. And, you know, really, it's the archetypal story, isn't it? You know, Adam and Eve leave the garden and have to find their way back. And so it's really God's Leela, you know, that we, we forget. And then we get to have all these experiences in life and, and awaken. And so in some ways, it's not necessarily the sad story. And it's certainly not bad. It's just that, you know, it, it, it allows us to have the experience of awakening, to have that ever new experience of mm -hmm. eternal truth. So, mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, when I talk to people sometimes who have had very difficult situations in life, um, 
that that were the impetus, you know, to their awakening. And you you ask them, you know, would would you have preferred to not have had that experience? And so many of them say, no, you know, it, it was the best thing to happen to me because it it led me on this path of awakening. Now, you know, it's ideal if we don't have to have profound suffering in order to wake up. But, you know, I think we can see um, the, this tendency to forget, um, in some ways as a blessing, because it allows us the experience of awakening, which is a great blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, speaking of awakening, so how do we remember in the last about two minutes <laughs> before the break? <laughs> I think it's probably, um, like everything else in yoga, it has a universal element and it has an individual element. So each of us is going to have our unique experience of that. Um, but but basically, there is a time in which we become receptive to awakening. You know, our discernment uh, begins to uh, become clarified. And we see that the way that we're living Um, is not satisfactory, Mm -hmm. that the way that we're trying to find happiness or security is eluding us. And we begin to open our mind, our heart, our consciousness and say, there must be another way. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And then, of course, meditation, right? I mean, to me, that's such a huge help, you know, in uh, their process of remembrance. Well, after, you know, after we have that experience of there must be another way, you know, whatever impetus there is for that, you know, then uh, if we're uh, so blessed, we meet a spiritual teacher and then we're given spiritual practices like meditation, study um, to help. Uh, transform the mental field so that light of our essence of being can be uh, remembered and we can be restored to our innate wholeness. Mm. Absolutely. And that's why I love the Remembrance Sutras. They're so short and pithy and they, they really, you know, say so much. So with that... You're listening to the Yoga Hour with host and founder of the show, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today, our conversation is drawn from her new online class, Live the Eternal Way. Yogacharya offers many online classes in addition to the Eternal Way and also different programs and has authored several books. You can learn more about all of that at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. Dot com that's O-B-R-I-A-N.com, and also from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, csecenter.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we come back from the break. We'll explore more about the teachings of Kriya Yoga. We'll be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back from the break. And going back to our conversation of the eternal way, Yogacharya O'Brien's new online course that is available through her website, ellengraceobrien.com. Um, and also the book of the same name, Living the Eternal Way, which is available uh, via uh, Amazon or also the ellengraceobrien.com website. So um, going back to um, discussion of the Living the Eternal Way course. So why is it that we want to live the eternal way? What do you think is, um, you know, is the uh, pull for people? Well, as I was describing, you know, just before the break, um, there there is a, a, a time in our lives when we begin to discern um, that there is a, another way to live. Um, and the pull is different for different people, but generally, you know, on the top of the list is some form of suffering or dissatisfaction, we could say. So feeling like um, a lack of fulfillment and that there must be another way to live that would bring uh, uh, higher fulfillment in the sense that we're not on this roller coaster ride of, you know, finding happiness and losing it. Um, and, and so people are pulled, you know, by sometimes by sorrow, sometimes wanting to learn, you know, what it is to really succeed in life. You know, what does it mean to be successful? Sometimes people are curious. Um, they're pulled by wanting to know more about, reality? Who am I? How did I get here? What is this life really about? Um, and sometimes people, you know, have an innate uh, love <clears throat> for God, and they they are pulled more deeply into wanting to love and to serve and to, to remember that uh, depth of a divine life. So, um, there's that motivating factor that pulls us uh, to the spiritual path. And, um, you know, we want to be free from suffering. We want mm -hmm. to be happy. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the fundamental truth for, for everybody and really for all beings. We want to avoid suffering and we want to be happy. And we don't want, you know, happiness that comes and goes. So we come to a place where we want to know more about how can I really be happy you know, how can I be fulfilled in life? So we mm. seek, we seek a, a way to, to do that. Mm. And I know from, you know, my own experience of, um, you know, that, that uh, still small voice, you know, within that is mentioned in the Bible, um, that there's something within us that, you know, rise, arises and has all these different ways of manifesting that you just went through, you know, perhaps as love of God, perhaps as just wanting to be free of suffering, all these different ways. But to me, that's this, um, that's this um, divine, our divine essence, you know, which as you, as you teach, you know, that's, that's who we are. Um, you know, to me, that's so wonderful to think about that as my pal, my buddy, you know, who, who helps me, um, you know, uh, for example, if I, you know, have not meditated, 
you know, what is it that calls me back? You know, that there's this voice, there's something within us and it is the truth of who we are. And so therefore it, um, you know, it, it's natural almost to me that, you know, that it's coming up in some way and that, that feeling, for example, you know, that you mentioned of, you know, lack of satisfaction with, you know, your life, even though you may have achieved all of these things that, you know, these external goals, there's that pervasive sense of something that's missing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's our, that's grace, you know, the grace of God, but also our true, our true nature that's rising up. That's a beautiful way to describe it. And that was my experience. I felt like something was missing. And of course, what was missing, I often say, was myself. Right. Uh, myself wasn't missing. It's yeah. just that I didn't know how to be conscious of that true self. And, you know, what you have just described, there's a beautiful verse in the um, Bhagavad Gita that says, you know, if basically if we if we cooperate with that still small voice within, with that divine self within us, then that self is a friend to us. Mm. Um, but if we um, ignore it, uh, push it away, then in a sense it becomes an enemy, and you know we are at odds with our own self. So perhaps we can think of that juncture on the path of that t- that turning to befriend our own self. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely uh, visual image with that. So <clears throat> living in the highest way. So what does that mean to live our lives in the highest way? I think it means that we seek to live in harmony with the truth of our being. <clears throat> And uh, to live as spiritual beings and to follow spiritual law, ethical law, um, to be free of the burden of self, of the small self with its uh, ego drive that is, you know, the I, me, mine, that sense of separate self, you know, it's just like living in the lowest way, following our lower drives and tendencies, which continually lead us into sorrow and bondage. So living in the highest way is directing our lives towards liberation, towards freedom, and to really a higher love, uh, love for life, love for God, and love for others, you know, for all beings. Um, I, I was listening to a, a, a podcast yesterday on um, on NPR. I would like to listen to Terry Gross's program. And she was interviewing, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name now, but he's a photographer, worked for National Geographic for many years. And he has a series of books, and there's a new one out called Vanishing. And he committed his himself to take photographs of all the vanishing species in our world. And so, you know, and there was so much um, 
tenderness and so much clarity in his resolve. And the way he was doing was like setting up a photo booth. He was going into zoos and into places where they were preserving these animals that would go extinct if, you know, that wasn't happening. And um, so he set up, you know, photo booths so that they would bring these little animals in, whether they were insects or mice or frogs or or even a bison. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and his technique in this way, because he's not photographing them in the wild, was to be able to, in a sense, look into their eyes. Mm. And um, he felt that if we could perhaps look into the eyes of these other beings, you know, uh, in a sense, compassion would awaken in us. So for me, you know, why do we want to uh, live in the highest way? And what is it? It's awakening to that truth of the interconnection of all of life, um, the beauty of it, the blessing of it, and the profound responsibility of it. Yeah. Wow, really um, touching story. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So in talking about living the highest way, living a spiritual life, making that turn, you know, that we we were just talking about, you know, you come to that point, you know, you want to live a different way. And yet there's also fear at that point about what we might have to give up. Um, and of course, you know, in the popular imagination, there's always that, you know, image of the um, yogi living in a cave in the Himalayas or, you know, living in a convent or an ashram. So I've always appreciated that the, that the Kriya Yoga lineage includes householders in addition to monks like Yogananda, so that I know that living a spiritual life is possible for me as a householder. So how does living a spiritual life as a householder make it both easier and also harder <laughs> to, to pursue a spiritual life? I think that whether you're a monk or a householder, uh, in a sense, you face, you know, the same core obstacle, which is avidya or ignorance of the true self, you know, which manifests in whatever environment you're in, you have to deal with your own mind. So there's that, you know, fundamentally, we all have that same uh, obstacle uh, to be freed from, to be liberated from, Um, you know, householder life um, tends to be uh, uh, full of responsibilities if you have family and children. And so I find that it can be a struggle to set aside, you know, time for spiritual practice, time for isolation and contemplation. And um, most people find some balance with that, you know, having a time every day. Um, But usually the ones I find are serious um, commit at least to an annual retreat where they can have time away. Uh, And of course, that is a, a luxury um, but one of the, one of the things I like to say is if you're living in a family and, um, you're on the path of yoga, you have the blessing of being in a retreat intensive, um, all the time. <laughs> um, you know, as people talk about, hi, oh, you know, I went on retreat and, you know, the teacher said this, and, you know, I had this awareness of myself, um, And if you're in a family, um, all of your um, tendencies 
are are on full display and um, people around you may trigger your latent tendencies or your samskaras, um, your old beliefs that need to be healed or changed, you know. So being in close relationship often um, intensifies um, what we need to do in order to express the truth of our being, you know, to find healing and be restored uh, to wholeness. Mm. So the Living the Eternal Way course is a course in Kriya Yoga, although that's not in the, you know, in the title, that is the spiritual tradition that you represent that I have been a part of now for many years. So when we speak about Kriya Yoga, what is that? What is Kriya Yoga? And uh, in, in what ways, um, maybe is it different, you know, from other types of yoga that are out there? Kriya Yoga is a path of self and God realization, and its practices, you know, combine uh, many of the elements of what is known as the classical yogas, you know, bhakti yoga, there's devotional element to Kriya Yoga, um, there's a contemplative element, there's the meditative focus. So all the elements of classical yoga are contained with Kriya Yoga, and Kriya just means action, and it refers to living an intentional life, to experience uh, yoga or conscious uh, union, um, conscious realization of that truth of our being. Uh, Kriya Yoga is really a path of intentional living, intentional living as a spiritual being, and there are many... um, traditions in a sense of Kriya Yoga. So when we look at it, part of what we look at is, you know, how is it defined and where did it come from? So in the case of what I teach, um, we teach Kriya Yoga as it is classically defined in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra by its practices of uh, self-discipline, self-study, and self-surrender, giving up the idea that you're separate from the source. And then all the eight limbs of practice Um, for living a conscious life and experiencing samadhi, uh, the ultimate experience of realization. Um, But also Kriya Yoga refers to the methods um, that were brought uh, to the West by Paramahansa Yogananda. So there are particular meditation methods that he stressed as well as uh, the philosophy and teachings uh, in the Yoga Sutra Patanjali and um, the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. So talking about Kriya Yoga, it's always interesting to me to um, be speaking about it with someone here in America, because in America, so often people's idea of yoga is very, very limited. I mean, it's like you're on a mat, you're in a yoga studio, uh, maybe you're doing it at home, but it involves you know physical poses. And of course, as, as listeners to this show know, you know, it's, uh, we define yoga very, very broadly. It's every aspect of our lives, 
you know, it's, it's living and, you know, consistently with the spiritual uh, principles, as you mentioned, you know, from the yoga sutras, from the Bhagavad Gita, the teachings that Yogananda brought, um, that really is, it's, it's, it's everything, everything in our lives. So that's really fun for me to be able to uh, touch on all these aspects of our life that, that are yoga, that have to do with yoga and to help people understand that yoga is so much more um, than, you know, what people, what is normally called to mind for most people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true, you know, and the great proliferation of Hatha Yoga and the asanas in in a way are indicative, you know, of the awakening age that we're living in, um, that, you know, although people are, are coming often to it as a way of fitness, um, the the yogis, uh, you know, who first um, originated these poses, you know, we have the ancient texts that, you know, they were put forth as a support for Raj Yoga, which is, a, in a sense, a subset of Kriya Yoga, to uh, balance the prana, the energy, subtle energy in the body and the mind, and prepare a person for meditation. So even if a person goes through the door of a yoga studio, you know, for reasons of finding more fitness or reducing their stress, um, at some point, if they're sincere, um, it's very likely that their uh, interest in yoga will deepen and they'll, uh, you know, want to learn more about meditation and what it is to to live uh, a life of yoga. But that said, too, I would say that, you know, the depth of Kriya Yoga um, is not for everyone. You know, not everyone wants to live a uh, disciplined life um, at whatever juncture they're at. Sometimes people just don't want to do that and it's not their way. And so for people who are, you know, who come on the path, it, you know, for, I think for those of us who have is like finding gold, you know, like, wow, you know, here is a whole system for living a conscious life that can help me um, with my diet. It can help me with my health and my fitness. It can help me um, with my concentration and awakening my intuition and having ultimate realization of the truth of my being. It can help me, um, you know, heal my relationships. And so it's like coming on this gold mine and why wouldn't everybody want this? Right. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we have a little bit of that um, convert experience with, you know, new people on the path, but they soon realize that, you know, not everybody is is interested in, in living um, a disciplined life. And yoga requires that. And I think it's important to say yoga requires discipline. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Kriya Yoga, what it is, and there's also a promise that goes along, you know, with the practice of Kriya Yoga. So what is Kriya Yoga's promise? Kriya Yoga's promise is self and God realization <laughs> that mm-hmm. we can that we can wake up to the truth of our being. We can live a 
spiritually conscious life in harmony with absolute reality, with God, with the truth of our being. And we can find um, freedom from sorrow, freedom from suffering. We can be liberated in this lifetime. We can know true freedom. And, and that phrase in this lifetime is important because in the Kriya Yoga tradition, it's held that um, enlightenment is a real possibility um, for every sincere person who comes onto this path. And that is seen as a liberation from being unduly influenced by the patterns in your own mind or by circumstances around you. So liberation is the key promise of Kriya Yoga, that you can live a li life as a free person. Um, you know, the way that I have come to explain it lately that people can relate to is I ask, you know, do, have you ever had the experience of what we call in the West, you know, somebody pushing your button, you know, so where, you know, you were, you were doing fine. And then somebody comes along, they say something, they do something. And all of a sudden you find that you're angry or you're upset. And, you know, of course, everybody that I've ever met has had that experience. And I, so I said, well, think about what it would be like to be free of that. And in that sense, I say, could you think of liberation as, as having a button-free existence mm. to be able to be in the world and live by the promptings of the soul rather than by the patterns in the mind or by the press of circumstances around you? Mm. A button-free life. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great promise. I was also thinking about the... Um, the line from the Bhagavad Gita about even a little bit of this practice removes great fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really, that's very attractive for me. Yeah, because so, we have a taste of the reality of our being as um, birthless and deathless. We know we're spiritual beings. Uh, we can observe the mind, we can observe the body. And, and, and very quickly we learn that that is not, we're not limited to that. And we observe that. So unbelievably, we've already come to the last couple of minutes, and I wanted to give you a chance to have the last words. So in closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? Thank you um, for this opportunity, for this conversation. And the words of inspiration or encouragement, I think I will just pull from our conversation today, which is there is that divine reality which you are which calls you back um, to be aware of the truth of your being. And as we attend to that call of the soul, a new life of divine possibility of fulfillment of the highest happiness, you know, opens to us and uh, life really becomes uh, a great adventure, a mm -hmm. divine Leela, a divine play, and it is imbued uh, with the soul's joy. So that is my wish for you and uh, for everyone tuning in to know freedom, uh, button-free existence, and uh, to live in the soul's joy. Mm -hmm. That's right. And such a huge a list of uh, potential promises that uh, we just reviewed about liberation, as you mentioned, the button-free life and all of this amazing um, wisdom that's uh, in the new online course, 
Live the Eternal Way, which is available now through Yogacharya O'Brien's website, ellengraceobrien.com. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and we've been discussing Fulfill Your Highest Potential with the Yoga Hour's founder and host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. She also founded Carry the Vision, a nonviolence education project, bringing meditation instruction to schools, prisons, and other segments of society, and also the Meru Institute, which trains teachers and leaders in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Her books include The Jewel of Abundance and Living the Eternal Way, and books of poetry, including The Moon Reminded Me. And I should also mention um, The Jewel of Abundance and The Moon Reminded Me are both award-winning books. <laughs> Actually, what, you know, won a few uh, different awards. So today we've been discussing the latest online course, Live the Eternal Way. And um, thank you so much for this conversation, Yogacharya O'Brien. It's just really, it's always delightful when I have a chance to uh, just talk with you about these, um, you know, about these really, really important questions. Thank you so much. And I really want to thank all of our subscribers and listeners to Yoga Hour. How, how long now has it been that it has been uh, on the air? Over nine years now. We're in our 10th year, our 10th year, which is amazing. I bet when you when you started the show almost, uh, well, it's a little over nine years ago now. It, it, uh, it must be it must be uh, nice for you to see how long it's how long it's gone, and also how many wonderful programs we have in our archive. It's incredible. We have such amazing conversations with a lot of them, big names in yoga that are in our archive, which listeners can check out at uh, Unity Online Radio uh, at uh, and just look for the Yoga Hour. Yeah, I remember uh, when we started it, the invitation from Unity to bring the program on, and I was so uh, honored and pleased about that and really wanted the focus to be yoga. So I'm grateful to you and um, to uh, Anne Hayes and others on the team who have made it possible through the years uh, to have these conversations about um, the depth of okay. yoga. Mm-hmm. So join me next time when our guest will be Robin Speisman, the author of Loving Out Loud. I will be discussing with her how we can cultivate more kindness in our life and connect with each other more deeply. <clears throat> the Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. And as we mentioned, the website is csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. 
Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.